If you ask any diocesan priest, what do you find most life-giving about your ministry? Or even what do you find most challenging at times? Almost 10 to 1, they'll tell you something along the lines of family ministry. That's why most of us kind of answer that vocation, I think, to be with families at all those extraordinary moments of their lives. When I used to be a college chaplain, what I loved was that occasionally students still in college, but shortly after graduation, many of them would fall in love and get married, and many of them were blessed with children. So being with them for the weddings and baptisms and just kind of walking along that journey was so joy-giving. Now I work in the seminary, and that's not so much a part of my alumni's lives, but nevertheless, when it does happen, not with my current alumni, but with some of those older students, when those moments do come along, they're particularly powerful. And there were two cases in this year, 2018, that stick with me in a particularly powerful way. And I want to preface this at the beginning by saying, as I describe to you these two couples, I'm not for a moment suggesting that one was closer to God than the other, or one had a better faith than the other, but there was a powerful distinction that I want to share with you on this Feast of the Holy Family. Very sadly, both of these couples experienced the loss of a child this year, miscarriages for both of them over the course of the year. And for one family, and I'd celebrated both of their weddings, and for the one couple, it was absolutely devastating to their faith. Obviously, it was devastating to both of them, but to their faith in particular. And how could God do this? They'd gotten off so wonderfully in their marriage, and they thought that God was a part of it. How could this possibly have fit into God's plans? Maybe there isn't even a God everything being questioned in such a radical way. And the second couple, again, no less grief-stricken. But what blew me away, and I'll be brutally honest in saying this, you know, I, Father John, who preach about it, who teach about it, but the way they talked about the presence of God in their marriage and in their life and even in the midst of the tragedy humbled me in a way I hadn't been humbled in my 16 years of priesthood. Because they talked about, not in spite of, or not alongside of, but right in the heart of the grief and the heart-rending tragedy, they talked about the sense that this child was, is now, and always would be a gift from God. That they didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl, that that child was not theirs. It's not someone who they produced. Even in the midst of the sadness and the loss, they could talk about the gift that had been, is now, and always would be shared with them. And they talked about their marriage as a sacrament. Not, we got married in the church, and so therefore it's a sacrament, but their marriage as a sacrament, as something every bit as real and actually probably in a visceral way more real than what they experienced at Mass. That ability to say that the love they shared with each other, that they now continue to share with their child, that they received from their child, that's what happens in a sacrament. And these weren't people with theology degrees, and I mean, they were just ordinary folks in their experience of church. 
was not all that different from yours or mine. But the difference that struck me was that they actually believed everything that we say. And they believed it in the sense of having lived it, and not just in the midst of the tragedy. And that's what the other couple, I think, lacked. And I hope and pray that eventually they may come around to that point. But for them, this wasn't necessarily a God that they viscerally knew in the day-ins and day-outs of life. And in the midst of the tragedy, what was fragile was at least for a time ruptured. I'm mentioning all of this simply by way of saying, if we look at the Feast of the Holy Family, if we hold up Mary and Joseph and Jesus and only look at it, and I'll put only in quotes because it's pretty important, but if we only look at it and say, gosh, weren't they just amazing? Joseph really loved Mary. Wasn't that great? And Mary really loved Joseph. And they really loved Jesus. And we should all try to emulate that love. I mean, that's a wonderful message and certainly something we should all try to do in our families. But we've got to remember, we're not celebrating this feast just to sort of pat them on the back or say, gosh, aren't they a wonderful family? We look at their lives, as you've heard me say so many times, from their side of the resurrection. When we read about them in the gospel, we are really just looking at what looked like to everybody else, husband and wife who loved each other and a child, But what we need to see them is from our side of the resurrection, as Paul sees them. And so when Paul's talking about love in the family, I don't know if you caught that, but you can go back and reread it later. He says, let the love of Christ govern your heart. Let the love of Christ govern your heart. When I was sitting with that second couple, I was in the presence of two people in the midst of their heartbreaking grief who nevertheless had hearts that were governed by the love of Christ and that wasn't a consolation prize. Even in the midst of the loss, their marriage was an experience of hearts that were governed by the love of Christ as they grieved with each other, but as they also in a very real and present sense gave and received love from their child. And they talked about how with deep hope and great confidence, they had no doubts that child was with God. And with great hope and deep confidence, they looked forward to being reunited in that particular way as they were still united now in love, even across the grave. And when Paul says, may the word of Christ be in you, that's what he says in that reading we just heard. Not may you learn about Christ through reading about him. Not may you study theology one day. But may the word of Christ be in you. As I sat with that couple, literally saying to myself, would I be this grounded in my faith if I knew a tragedy like that? I hope I would. But I can't say I had been challenged in that same visceral way that they had been. This is what it looked like to say the word of Christ. Remember I highlighted it. We sing about that in O Come All Ye Faithful. Word of the Father now made flesh. Those are just words unless they really do take root inside of us. So how do you get there? That's what I found myself asking. How do you get there? How do you transition from being couple number one who in a very understandable human way are left wondering, is there a God at all? And if there is, 
Does this God possibly have anything like love for me? How do you get from there to this other couple talking about the gift that had been, is now, and always would be shared with them in their child? And I think at the end of the day, there's no secret way to do it. There's no special formula. It's simply grounding yourself in the reality of the truth of what we say all the time. So this was a husband and wife in a marriage that was sacrament, and they just took the time. They didn't go to Mass any more often than anybody else. They weren't overly pious or phonally pious in their faith, but they took the time to talk about what that faith meant. And if they came to something like the Feast of the Holy Family, they weren't ashamed or afraid to talk about it with each other. What does that look like for us? What does it look like to say, I can give myself in sacrifice to you or receive sacrifice from you in a way that doesn't diminish me, in a way that actually makes that love be inflamed? That's what Christian love is about. They talked about it in good times and joyful times, long before they ever had to face the tragedy of losing their own child. Here at St. Joe's, you know, there's communities for the kingdom. I'm struck every week as that was in the intentions. We pray for our St. Joseph communities. You could probably finish the sentence. A new way of being church. And that's the truth. And many of you are in those groups. It's not like you're moving heaven and earth to get together and just talking about, really talking about your lives as much as you're talking about the gospel, I bet. But you're coming together with an intentionality saying, I'm making the time on Tuesday night to come out here and be with you in your home or I'm letting you come and be in mine. Because somehow we're motivated by this faith that we share, a new way of being church. And it doesn't have to be belonging to a formal group, but that's the kind of thing it looks like. For this husband and wife, what it looked like is they would be intentional about carving out time to talk about and say, you know, this faith that we have, if it isn't just pie-in-the-sky wishful thinking, what does it look like? As he struggled with his job, as they shared the ecstatic joy of becoming pregnant, as all the different things that happen in life, because I asked him point blank. I asked him and I said, you know, this faith that you're sharing now, it's absolutely astonishing. And they were the first ones to say, well, you know, Father, I've heard this coming out of your mouth once or twice. And they have. And I was deeply, deeply humbled by what they were witnessing in my presence. We've got to remember on the Feast of the Holy Family, we're not holding that up simply to say, weren't they just an amazing couple with their child? They literally let that presence of God redefine what it meant to be a man and a woman in love. And the reason we celebrate that feast today and every year is to let ourselves be challenged and to say, what does this look like in our own hearts? And we don't have to be in marriage or be biological parents to have that experience. But none of us should leave tonight, and certainly none of us should go into 2019 without at least challenging ourselves with the question to say, what does this look like for me? And could I face everything that 2019 has in store for me, both the ecstatic highs and the joys and the gratitudes, 
as well as, God forbid, some of the most heart-rending tragedies that none of us can foresee? Could I look at every one of those moments and say, like St. Paul said, let the word of Christ be in you and let your heart only be governed, only, not by the ups and downs of the everydayness of life, but let your heart only be governed by the peace of Christ.